Let's go to the Lord in prayer as I begin uh, the message this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to get into your word today in worship. We're grateful for the word that comes to us, your word, the living word that offers life abundantly. And we thank, we're thankful for Christ as the physical representation of that, representation of that, of that living word. And God, I just pray as I enter into the message now that your spirit would be at work. Open our ears, our minds, our hearts for what you have for us today. Use me in whatever capacity you can and, and are able. And where I am weak, God, you may your strength uh, demonstrate and shine through. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a week after Memorial Day, uh, floodwaters swept through Hutchinson, Kansas, and into Jocelyn Wood, Woodson's home. And uh, two feet of water uh, were in her main floor, and you can imagine how much water was in her basement as a result of the flood. And a TV station, Wichita TV station, recently did a story about a, a team from a church that came to her house and actually did work in terms of recovery and restoring her home so that her family could move back in and they could live and enjoy that home moving forward. And she said the group did in just a few days what would have taken her family weeks or probably months to do. And she said this, uh, she said, the goodness of people leaves me nearly speechless. If anyone ever tells you that people are self-centered and don't help out around here, just send them to me. I'll set them straight. And one of the church volunteers, Howard Hughes, what a great name, Howard Hughes, right? He said this about helping clean up and restore her home. He said, we feel like we walk away with more from it than when we came and more of a blessing than what we gave. And that is ultimately what happens when we serve when we serve others, when we serve in Christ's name, when we serve through the body of Christ. And that story actually reminded me of our church in the spring when we opened up the Life Center. and We became a shelter for our community. And we had three families that were um, evacuated because of the floodwaters, and they stayed with us for a period of time. And, and those families were so grateful. They told us, they wrote notes telling us how grateful they were. This church and your generosity ministered to those families. And we had a number of volunteers who served significantly in that role. We are a blessing. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. That theme runs throughout scriptures in the history of God's people. We are blessed to be a blessing. I'm uh, reminded uh, when I hear stories like that of uh, Seth Wilson what he used to say, Seth was the founding dean of the College of Ozarks. And he was convinced that being a Christian meant serving people. It meant giving of yourself and allowing God to use the gifts that he's given you to bless others. And to underscore the idea, he used to say, they'll never care how much we know until they know how much we care. For the last several weeks, we've been looking and talking about life together in the body of Christ. And what are the characteristics that God desires every church community possess. And two weeks ago, Pastor Luke talked about how God wants churches to be made up of people who focus on reconciliation. That literally, that what Christ has done on the cross has reconciled us uh, through him to God the Father. And that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Literally, we're inviting others to be reconciled to God, to know that God loves us and has done the work necessary, and that we just simply can be reconciled to him through the gift of Christ. But not just that ministry of reconciliation, but also reconciliation. That means that we are working at reconciliation amongst each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're called to reconcile to one another. That there literally is no conflict. There is no pride issue. 
that would stop us as brothers and sisters in Christ to work toward reconciliation with each other as sisters and brothers in Christ. So this week we're going to look at a study about another characteristic that's really vital to life together in the body of Christ. And if you've got your Bibles, I would invite you to open up to Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 42. And it's going to be 42 through 45. And so while you're turning there and you can open your Bibles, you can look at your YouVersion app. It's going to be there as well, or the Bible in front of you. But while you're looking that passage up, just to give you a little bit of context, immediately before this passage, two of the disciples, James and John, have approached Jesus and they've asked if they can be seated at his right and left hand for all of eternity in the kingdom of God. And this is a natural thing to be asking. You know, they want to be uh, disciples of prominence. They want to be the powerful ones. And so they're literally saying, hey, make us the most powerful. Let us be the privileged. Let us be the important ones. Well, naturally, their request didn't sit very well with the other disciples who heard what they had asked of Jesus. In fact, the Bible in this passage we're going to look at uses the word that they were indignant, which is a fancy word to say they were ticked off. They were really angry with James and John. But, you know, James and John and what they were doing and their attitude was is really the pattern of the world, right? You know, that we try to do things that will help us get ahead of others and get us into positions of privilege or prominence. And if it means that somebody else doesn't get as much or they don't have as much, you know, it's not necessarily that we're trying to be mean to them, but we're just going to take advantage of the situation and move forward. But Jesus has stopped. He stops them immediately and he calls all the disciples together because he says, look, I want to teach you something about what greatness in the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it may look like in the world, what James and John are doing, but the kingdom of God ha- defines greatness in a much different way. And that leads us into this passage in which he teaches them about being great or being first in the kingdom of God. So Mark 10, verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm also going to invite us to look over to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing about the importance of in the life of, of the body of Christ, the importance of humility and the importance of serving one another to re- keep and, 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 and remain in unity with each other. And he's pointing back to Jesus as the example in this passage from Philippians, as the example of what it means to serve in humility. And this is what Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, Each of you should look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of the others. In the relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be great? Many people are preconditioned to respond, you know, when they hear that question, no, I don't want to be great because we've been conditioned to think that greatness in the church isn't something that Christians are supposed to desire. But I want you to notice that in this passage, Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say that. He never said you shouldn't want to be great. No, what he did refine was what it meant 
to be great. Jesus said, if you want to be great, here's how you do it. Serve others. If you serve others, then you'll be great. And a servant in Jesus' day was often somebody who worked uh, as a servant in a household and took care of the master's home, their possessions, their property. And there were also slaves in Jesus' day, and they were even a lower level of class than a servant, and they were often forced into service. And in human eyes, either one of these in, in serving is not dignified. These are two of the lowest positions in culture, and yet Jesus reverses their status and says they become the most important in the community of disciples. The community of disciples, to be great and to be first, you've got to be a servant. You've got to be a slave of all. He turns everything upside down and says this is true greatness. Jesus' disciples have an ambition to be the greatest and to be first, and so Jesus gives them the means to do that. They must rearrange their lives in order that they give themselves for the benefit of others. So literally, Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, this is the pathway. This is the calling of a disciple uh, to serve me well in the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you. I want to be great. I want to be great. I don't want to be great in the sense that I want a lot of notoriety or I want a lot of privilege or I want my name to be known. I want to be great in the sense that I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. I want it to, to actually uh, matter in this world. And I think at some extent, all of us want that. We want our lives to really matter. And Jesus says that the way that we can experience that is by serving other people. So I want to actually get into a few principles from this passage in Mark that I think that really can talk to us about what Jesus is getting at in this passage. The first is that true greatness comes from serving others. It's right in the middle. I mean, that's pretty obvious when we read the passage. And it's true in the life of Jesus. Perhaps the best illustration is the concept of, in the concept of true greatness in serving is Jesus himself. His greatness did not come from only the fact that he was God's son. It came from what he did. Jesus taught the multitudes. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. Uh, Jesus comforted the sorrowful. Jesus, in fact, touched those that society said were untouchables. Jesus served people. Jesus ultimately served in the ultimate way in this. He gave his life as a ransom for many so that the world could be forgiven for our sins by God. And so while it's true that Jesus was great because of his identity as God's son, he confirmed that greatness by his activity. He served mankind. So it's true in Jesus's life. It's true in the lives of others. We can look at many different people in the world who have been given a lot of notoriety, not because of position or power or authority, but because of the level of service, the level of ministry, the willingness to serve others. I think of somebody like Mother Teresa of Kolkata, India, who served the poor, the sick, and the homeless, and the orphans, and the dying in that area of India. And she lived a life of total poverty. She never wielded any real authority, and yet she's universally regarded as one of the greatest people of the last century. Ultimately, it was because of her ministry of service, because she served. She said, I can make a difference for people, and she let God work through her to do just that. It's true in Jesus, it's true in others that we can look at, and it's true in the church. God wants to do the same thing with us. 
You don't have to be a missionary to India to experience greatness. You just have to be a servant. True greatness doesn't come through titles or money or power. It comes through serving others. If you want to be great, if you want to count for something, you've got to be a servant. That's the path to true greatness. The path of making your life count is serving others. So there's another principle to follow up behind that one, that our true life purpose comes from serving. True service brings meaning and purpose to our lives. It was true for Jesus. He was a man who understood why he was here. He said it in this passage. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. He knew his purpose. He knew what his mission on earth was to be all about. And even though there was a cross at the end of his journey, the Bible tells us that he experienced real joy because he was true to what God wanted him to do and his life had meaning because of it. We want to all feel that our life counts for something. We all want our lives to have meaning. Let me ask you, what gives your life meaning? Did you know that God created each one of us to serve and to do good deeds? Ephesians 2, verse 10, tells us clearly in God's Word, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It runs through all of God's Scripture. In fact, if we go back to the very beginning when God created everything that we see and He created even humans, uh, we can see that this was part of His purpose in the very beginning. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God's Word tells us, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And the word rule in this, in this chapter in Genesis doesn't mean to dominate. So it's not that God calls us to dominate His creation. It means that we're called to serve as stewards to serve as servants who steward God's creation. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it tells us, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. We're called. That's part of our purpose of being created is to, to, take, care of, to take care of God's creation and to serve God by taking care of His creation. Isn't it amazing that from eternity past, when God thought about you, He thought about some good works that you could do to serve Him. When he thought about me, he thought about some good works that I could do to serve him. You know, one of our deepest longings in life is to feel that we belong, that we're accepted, that we're a part of something more significant than ourselves individually. We desire to be a part of a team, literally. And that's what God has done for us. He's made us part of his team. He said to me, hey, hey, Wes, here, I've I've created you so that you can do these things for me and help me in this way. He said to you, here's something that you can do to help me. See, God could do it all, but he invites us to help him. Isn't that remarkable? We're invited to partner with God, the one who creates us, the one who gave us life, the one who created everything that we see. Isn't it amazing that God chooses us to be on his team and to let us play a part of what he's doing in this world and to build his kingdom and to communicate about salvation to all those in the world? And so when we play our part, when we do our good works that God has prepared just for us to do, in those moments of serving God and serving others, we're living out our purpose. And we really won't feel fulfilled until we give ourselves in service. We were created for that very purpose. It's what defines us. 
and gives our lives meaning because when we serve, we're living out our purpose for which God created us. Let me share with you how you can get involved in serving in God's kingdom. You know, serving is one of our four priorities here at First Covenant. If we look at our mission statement to go deeper in Christ and further in mission, our, our leadership has said that there is no way that we can go deeper in Christ and further in mission without serving. We must serve if we're going to go deeper in Christ and further in mission. And we define serve as being compelled by God's love. We meet others' needs. We look at First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And I love how this talks about how uh, God has created us and why he has created us and what our purpose is in serving. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So opportunities are available in God's kingdom. They're all over the place. There are literally unlimited opportunities that you have to use your gifts and your talents and, uh, that God's given you to serve him by serving others. We can break these opportunities kind of into two broad categories. One would be ways to serve in the church community and ways to serve outside the church community. So I'm just going to take us a moment for us to take a look at that. And so both are important and vital to our work and what God's doing in the world. So, But I'm going to just take some time and break them down. And I want to invite you to open up your worship guide. On the inside, there's a white flyer that says ministry opportunities on it. It looks like this. So go ahead and take that out right now, and I'm going to just kind of highlight a couple of things there for us to consider. So those areas of service that we think of as occurring inside the church community would be things like singing on the worship team or singing in the choir or playing an instrument in the orchestra or in the worship band. It could be working in children's ministry on Sunday morning or Wednesday nights or helping out with gravity student ministry with middle school and high school students. It could be preparing or serving communion. It could be um, being an usher or a greeter or working the connection center or, you know, helping run the sound system in the back every Sunday morning or helping with uh, visuals that we see on Sunday mornings. This, these things are just the tip of the iceberg of opportunities to serve within the church community. And just to kind of give an example of a couple of ministries, you know, like our children's ministry does great things in serving kids and in discipling kids who are going to ultimately grow up and disciple others. And, you know, we have many kids every year that make a commitment to follow Christ through our ministries at First Covenant. And not only that, but we, we, we really form and make so many disciples through our children's ministry. There's great opportunities. And Marsha and Lisa and Megan lead an amazing team of volunteers. But here's the reality. There's still opportunities. There's still needs for others to come alongside and to invest in our kids. And what a great opportunity to invest in helping make disciples at a young age. You know, our connections in our uh, 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 hospitality team on Sunday morning, great ministry. The significant role that they do is just simply welcoming people and helping them to connect into the life of the church. There's some great opportunities there to serve. And just would encourage you, there's a few open opportunities where we still have need for greeters and ushers and other roles. And so at a minimum, we need to be a welcoming and an inclusive church body. And so if you're here already worshiping, can you give us 15 or 20 minutes on a Sunday morning, on some Sundays, to help out in some of these areas? You're here already, just another 15 or 20 minutes. And so those are some of the opportunities within the church community. So let's look at some opportunities outside 
the church community that we can think of that would be outreach. Things like baking cookies and delivering cookies to guests who come and visit. Helping with outreach events that our church does throughout the year in the community. Joining with some of our community partners in the city. And we've got awesome partnerships. Partners like the Pregnancy Service Center, um, the Salina Rescue Mission, um, there's Salvation Army, there's the after-school program with St. John's Baptist Church, there's um, Adopt-A-Family, I could go on. There's so many opportunities for regular ministry out in our community. And some of those things are on that list um, that we have in the, in the worship guide. You know, you can think about ways that you can do individual outreach or uh, outreach in your neighborhood or in your workplace or... Or at your school. There's so many opportunities. You know, there's a family in our church that lives in our neighborhood. And, and the wife, whenever a new family moves into the neighborhood, she bakes cookies and she delivers those cookies and welcomes that family into the neighborhood. What an awesome ministry. Just a simple thing that she does to serve others. You know, in a workplace, oftentimes many different uh, companies will allow you. You could start a small group or a Bible study before work early in the morning. Or during the lunch hour, you could simply start a, a small group or a Bible study uh, one, one lunch break a, a week. There's a lot of people who are doing that kind of thing. In the schools, you know, the schools have need for tutors and for mentors. Or you could sign up to commit to praying for one of the schools in our community. You know, again, this afternoon, we have an awesome opportunity. Salina South High School is opening up the building to allow us to come and to walk the hallways and the classrooms and actually to take some time and to pray for that school and for the staff and for the students in that school. You know, there's a lot of communities, there's a lot of schools that wouldn't allow people from a church to come in and do that kind of ministry. So outreach lim- uh, possibilities are limitless. You, you're not limited to only what the church plans or programs or specific events that we're doing. Seek the Lord's unique call on your life to find ways to help and to serve others. And maybe you have an idea for ministry. So many of the ministries that we started have started with a few people who saw a need, had a passion, or had some gifts or talents, and they said, we want to go do this to help meet that need. You know, our Iron Men's ministry, they have a ministry called Helping Hands, and it started when just a few guys saw some needs. They saw some people who needed some help with some lawn care when they had people who were sick or homebound, or they needed help with some small home improvement projects, or families when they moved from one home to another needed help moving their furniture. And so they simply said, we have these gifts. We love to do these kinds of things. Let's get some other guys in our church who like to do these things, and we'll help out some people. We'll serve people in that way. So... Just look at what are some of the needs and what are some of the things that you have to offer. And you can help start some new ministry. So how do you get involved? It brings me to what I think is the most important part of the sermon this morning. I want to talk to you about how can you get involved in serving. If you aren't already, so that you can experience the fulfillment and the joy that comes from offering our lives and our gifts to serve others. You know, before I go any further, I just want to stop and say we've got a lot of people in our church that do amazing things with serving. And I just want to recognize that. We have got people who get this, and they're engaged, and they're involved, and they're serving in significant ways, in ways that I am just amazed and make me so proud. But I say that, I also say that I know there are still many who aren't serving in any role. And I'm not here to to try to guilt you or make you feel obligated to serve. No, it's the opposite. I want you to experience the full life that Jesus offers to us when we serve others. 
We're missing out if we're not applying our life and the gifts that God has given us to serve others. We're missing out on that fuller, richer life experience with Christ and in, in His church. And so I want to just encourage you some ways to get involved. The first would be to pray and to be open to God's leading in your life. I don't think it can underscore enough how important this step is, that God does not want all of us leading singing. In fact, it would not be good if many of us were trying to lead singing, right? It would not be good if I was leading singing. You wouldn't like the range that I would sing the song in. It would be way too low for you. So now, but I know that there's other gifts that are here today. God doesn't want all of us to be involved in the helping hands ministry, but he does want some to. God doesn't want all of us to work in children's ministry area, but he wants many of us to do that. So here's my point. If we jump into an area where God uh, doesn't want us to be and try to serve in that area, we're probably going to find ourselves to be ineffective. And we're going to be, you know, discouraged over time. And so, you know, again, I would be a a poor song leader, but, you know, most people um, who can carry a tune would really enjoy singing in the choir or in the worship team. Somebody else might be terrified of public speaking, but they might really love to serve in hospitality. They might have gifts of hospitality who really help people feel welcomed and, and included. Or people might have, you might have the gift of helping. And you might like to help behind the scenes and do things as, as serving with, to help other people who are going to be leading. There's so many different ways for you to serve and so many different options. And so the first step of finding your area of service where God wants you to serve is to pray. And then be intentional to seek God and to try some new things. You know, uh, when I first was trying to figure out what I really enjoyed doing, I had to try some things before I found out what I really enjoyed doing. And so I tried some ministries, and, you know, over time I was like, eh, I don't really love that. And so I would try some others, and over time I found some places I really liked to serve and really enjoyed it. So part of that is leading to my second point. Evaluate what you're good at and what you like to do. Chances are your area of ministry that's going to be ideal is something that you enjoy doing. God doesn't just want service to be drudgery for us. He wants it to be life-fulfilling. The guys who started the Helping Hands ministry enjoy working on stuff. They enjoy working with their hands. They enjoy working on, on house projects and on landscaping projects. So pray and be open. Evaluate what you're good at. And so, um, you know, the other thing I would just mention is that we're going to be doing a connecting point class uh, at the beginning of October, in the Connecting Point class, we spend a significant time in that class teaching about spiritual gifts and helping you identify your spiritual gifts and your passions that God has given you, and then giving you some possibilities of some ministry application that you would enjoy applying your gifts and your passions in serving in. And so if you have not taken that class, that would be a great place for you to learn more about a place to serve with significance. The third thing I'd invite you to do is simply volunteer to fill the needs. Again, primary is to find a place that we serve in our passion, but that doesn't excuse us from filling some needs where, especially if they're smaller serving roles, that we can just do to help out. You have the ministry opportunities flyer in front of you. I just want to encourage you to look it over this morning and mark some of the things that you might be interested in. If you mark them, it doesn't mean you're committing to that area of ministry. It simply means I want more information. I'd like to explore. I'd like somebody to contact me and share more with me about that opportunity. So everybody here this morning has a role to play in the church in order for the church to be what God wants it to be in terms of ministry. 
And the Bible says that God has given every Christian gifts and talents to use for his glory. And the church is most effective for God's glory and for the benefit of others when Christians are using your gifts to serve. And we need each one of you. So this morning, do you want to be great? Do you want your life to count for something significant? Do you want to matter for God? Then serve. That's what Jesus said, is to serve. So I love the story about a young boy named Antonio. And Antonio loved music when he was young. And he found out that there was a boys' choir in his community. And so he begged his parents to take him and try out for the boys' choir. And he tried out, but his voice was really high and kind of squeaky. And he didn't make the choir. But he still loved music. He thought, well, I'd like to try to play and learn how to play an instrument. So he begged his parents to get a violin and to get some lessons for violin. And he took some lessons, and over time, he just wasn't very good. And his neighbors convinced his family to have him give up the violin. But the boy still loved music. The one other thing he really liked was he liked working with wood. And when he was young, he would take wood, and he would make some just some kind of general shapes out of the wood. And But, you know, it's interesting, some of his classmates made fun of him because it didn't look really great. And yet he still really loved it. So when he got older, he actually gave himself to be an apprentice to a violin maker. And he learned to cut wood and he developed the skill of carving. And his hobby became his craft. And he worked patiently and he worked faithfully. And he became the greatest violin uh, worker the world has ever known. And by the time he died, he had made over 1,500 violins that still exist today. And they bear a label that reads Antonio Stradivari. You probably have heard of the Stradivarius violin, right? If you have one of those, you should hold on to one of those violins. They're worth a lot of money. In fact, they're worth over $100,000 for just one violin. So it's the most sought-after violin in the world. Antonio couldn't sing. He couldn't play really well. He, he, didn't, he couldn't preach. He didn't teach. But he used his ability to make violins, and his violins are still making beautiful music today. You know, your service for God may be what makes an eternal difference in somebody's life. I can think back to the story that I began with in the beginning of the message, Jocelyn's home, and how blown away that she and her family were by just the ministry of some church members that came and served her and helped her get back into her home. And I think about the quote from Seth Wilson as well, that they'll never care how much we know until they know how much we care. When we use our gifts and talents, friends, we're showing people how much we care. Will you prayerfully commit yourself to be like Antonio, to say to God, show me how you want me to serve. Show me what I can do, and I'll do it. I want to invite you to just go ahead and take out that ministry information form, opportunities form, and just go ahead and take it out right now. And I'm just going to invite us in response to God's Word and the message this morning to apply something here today. So I'm going to invite you just to take a couple of minutes right now to actually look that sheet over, fill it out, consider a couple of possibilities you might be interested in exploring, and just take some time to do that. And while I, while I invite you to do that, Paul's going to actually play some music in the background. There he is. I didn't see you sneak in behind me. You're sneaky. Paul's not only a gifted musician, he's a gifted sneaky person. So, so I want you to take that sheet out right now. Just go ahead. Let's just take a couple of minutes. Paul's going to play some music. Fill that out. Consider some opportunities. I'll give you some instructions in a couple of minutes. Let's take some time.
So just a couple of words of instruction. You may not have had enough time to fill it out. You may have. If you've had enough time and you'd like to turn it in, I just simply encourage you as we close this morning that there's a a basket by each door with a sign on it that says Ministry Opportunities Form. You can just simply slip your form into that basket, and then the staff will get back to you here this week um, moving forward. If you haven't had enough time to fill it out, I understand, and I don't want to rush you, but I want to ask you two things. One is commit to responding. Would you commit to responding? So often when we start these things, we have good intentions, and we take that, we think we're going to do something with it, but we forget. So commit this afternoon to filling it out and finishing it. The second thing would be to bring it back. You can bring it back this week to the office, or you can simply bring it back next Sunday morning, and you could drop it in the offering bag, and then we'll get some folks to follow up with you. So my encouragement to you, first of all, well, a couple of things would be, one, if you're serving in significant way, in significant ways, great job. You're awesome. We're so proud of you, and we're so thankful. If you're getting, wanting to look to get engaged, we're excited about helping you find a place to serve because we know how much it means, how awesome it is as we go deeper in Christ to be able to serve using the gifts that God has given us and the life that he's given us to bless others. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the ways in which you have loved us and served us. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us the example, that you explained the principles of being great in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't mean anything about position or power or influence. It's simply about being a servant for you and a servant for others. And Jesus, thank you for not only telling us, but then showing us by serving people, by going the distance to serve, to give your life as a ransom for our lives. Father, help us as we explore what it looks like to go deeper in Christ by offering ourselves as servants. Give us courage to try new things. Give us intentionality to follow through. And the Spirit, lead us to the right places so that we might help others and that we can participate in building your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.